0: asian book club where we highlight asian and asian american authors we are your hosts
1: Jamee and Sabon.
0: and i'm stephen park and i think i gave my sickness to jimmy
1: yes i am now feeling it so if my voice sounds different now you know why
0: which probably happened because one of our love languages is touch And that's what I kind of want to go into, is because this book seems to really show a lot of different ways of showing affection and how each relationship tends to bond with another one. But let's start with the love languages, because I don't know if everyone really knows about this topic.
1: Yes. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the five love languages, just so you all know, it was it was created by a pastor, so it is very religious based. If you're interested in reading the book, if you are sensitive to that kind of um, topic, then maybe reading the book is not for you. But if you are willing to skip over all the religious portions, it really is a very interesting way to view how you interact with others and how others interact with you. So the five love languages that are that are outlined are touch, words of affirmation, gift giving, quality time, and...
0: Acts of service.
1: And acts of service, yes. So, what are your love languages, Steven? So first, how do you like to receive love?
0: So, this was funny, because we talked about this initially in our relationship, mm-hmm. and I remember when I wrote it out, I think my prioritization was physical touch no i think it went quality time physical touch then acts of service gifts and then words of affirmation mm-hmm. then i think a year no it might have been two years when we've got into our relationship yes i brought up the fact that i think because i was being fulfilled on the needs of quality time and mm-hmm. physical touch mm-hmm. that it actually changed yeah and so i think it then went to quality time Acts of service, gifts, then physical touch, then words of affirmation.
1: Totally. So that's how you receive love now. That's how
0: I receive love now. I
1: I feel like gifts have a higher place in your love languages in terms of receiving, at least from an outside point of view and as an outsider who is also your partner. That's how
0: I feel. Yeah. And I think it's a very ingrained Korean part of me. Mm. I think... A lot of times when different households meet up or you go and meet friends, Mm -hmm. it's about paying for the meal. It's about oh yeah did their kids have this toy maybe we should go like that's how my mom always was so i think that got transferred to me more than i thought that it did
1: Mm, that's fair
0: so what are your love languages of receiving how do you receive your love languages
1: totally very similarly to your experience when we first took the online test it listed touch as my highest then words of affirmation and then quality time as my top three and i still hold to that that those are very important to me but recently i've been rethinking about how i receive love and how i would like to continue receiving love in this present time and i think words of affirmation have gotten higher and in that even though i know my own worth and i know that i am valued and valuable i just need to hear it sometimes and to me that's what makes it my higher love language now especially when i look back at my childhood i didn't get a lot of words of affirmation i my parents particularly my mom did say i love you but i was never told i was never the words i'm proud of you or we're proud of you have never have never come up they've always shown it which is why acts of service is definitely something that i feel fulfilled in But to hear it is different. It feels like the bow on top of the gift. It's like, this is truly how we feel, even though I know that's how they feel. Mm -hmm. Or at least I hope that's how they feel.
0: Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. So the reason why my words of affirmation are so low is kind of the same reason that you're saying that you value words of affirmation so much. Totally. Is because my parents rarely would tell me things that, Like they're proud of me where i did well even though they did like for me i think i've gotten those words when i did the things that they wanted me to do but it wasn't something that was highly valued like my parents wouldn't say i love you to each other i don't Mm. think i've heard that too many times on the flip side even though you haven't received those words from your mom your parents are very affectionate with each other. Right. And they do tell each other that they love each other all the time, I think.
1: Yes, they tell it to each other. But that I think that's the difference. They, With your parents, they don't tell it to each other. With my parents, they tell it to each other. With your parents, they tell you. Mm-hmm. With my parents, they don't tell us. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting in that they're very opposite kind of situations. Mm-hmm.
0: And it could be that for me, I get i have gotten that part fulfilled enough that i don't need it Mm -hmm. which is the same reason why i think the other that's i think that's the reason why gifts have shot up in the way that i receive affection Mm. is because nowadays i've stopped asking my parents to give me christmas gifts Mm -hmm. like me and my Brother, like, we don't do Christmas gifts anymore because mm-hmm. what it ended up being was just us exchanging money, like, mm-hmm. just exchanging cash. Mm-hmm. And it, I just, it, there was no point in it. Mm-hmm. But I think from that standpoint, now I don't do gifts with friends, I don't do gifts with family. So the only person to give me gifts is you.
1: Wow. Well, you and your so actually, much your family
0: actually gives us a lot of really thoughtful gifts. They
1: do.
0: Oh, what is that word? the packages that like, are sent care packages
1: yeah like, the care packages like Pasalubong. yeah
0: yeah so they do send us a lot of that
1: oh yeah absolutely and I think that speaks to our culture in that regardless of whether you're far away or if you're close by anytime that they think of you or they do something at least for in Philippinex culture they want to give gifts to those that they love and sometimes Beyond those that they love, like their coworkers, who they could love, but I mean like those who are around them constantly.
0: Yeah, and you know, actually, now that I think about it, my mom does give gifts, mm-hmm. but through the efforts of her acts of service. So I told you about this when my brother used to live in Vegas, mm-hmm. and we're from Southern California. Yes. And so when my parents would go visit him, they my mom would prepare for two weeks um Mm. two giant coolers full of frozen foods Mm -hmm. and so those were technically gifts but i mean if you saw the way that she worked in the kitchen they were definitely acts of service and she would she told me that she would want to do that for me every time we come home anytime i fly back to portland from home we always get pulled over at security because mm-hmm. she always gives me something frozen. Yes. Then there's water because it condensates. Right. And then I have to get the bag swabbed every mm-hmm. single time. I think mm-hmm. we now plan out an extra 15 minutes just yes. to get that check done. Absolutely. But it is her show of love. It's definitely her show of gift giving mm-hmm. and the way that she just wants to show that, you know, that she, she cares. cares for me. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. For sure. I... I'm definitely working on it. I Even though growing up, my parents didn't give us gifts, and even now it's kind of hard for us to give each other gifts in special occasions mm-hmm. outside of those pasalubong moments. Like when we're giving as care packages or giving because we think we're thinking of you, that's different. But mm-hmm. when it's like Christmas or a birthday or, I don't know, fill in the blank for the holiday, it becomes more... It feels, to me at least, it feels less genuine because it's like many people are giving gifts at this time of the year. And plus, I'm a minimalist and when I give gifts, I tend to think about practicality and practicality does not always read as gift giving, so I'm working on it.
0: But like you said, I I think it's the difference between obligatory gift giving Mm -hmm. versus... Like when your sister goes and is shopping at Ross Mm -hmm. and she sees a sweater or Mm -hmm. a dress or something that you might like or Mm -hmm. that I might like, then the dress is for me, the sweater is for you. Yeah. Yeah. But she will grab that for us and then, mm-hmm. like, kind of build it up and then send it over all together. So right. it's, yeah, it's, it's the thoughtfulness. It's not, mm-hmm. the, it's not the money behind it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The way
0: that we've kind of worked on, because our birthdays are really close together, mm-hmm. our holidays are, or the holidays are going to be the holidays, so they're always on the same day.
1: Yes, the holidays that we celebrate.
0: Right. So then the way that we've done gifts now is to put a cap, like a money limit on mm-hmm. it, so that we can really try to be extra thoughtful on what we're giving Mm -hmm. and for me the way that i receive gifts it's not about the cost of something i mean it'd be great to get something that's worth a lot but that means less to me than someone thinking about me and saying oh this is something that i feel like you don't have Mm -hmm. or something that i think that you would really enjoy Mm -hmm. because i know you as a person so it's Mm -hmm. more of that being in someone's heart I think.
1: Totally. So would you say that your way of showing love is also gift giving?
0: Yes. Totally. Absolutely. I love giving a gift that hits the spot perfectly. Mm. When someone is genuinely excited about the gift, I think that means the most to me.
1: Totally.
0: I hate buying cards because I think that they always get wasted. Mm. But I will spend a lot of time just trying to think, okay, what is the perfect gift? Like, was there an inside joke? Was there something that they said that might insinuate that they want this? Yeah. Um, I hate when I give a gift that is asked for. Mm. Because I know that that's what the person wants. But especially in this era of we can order anything that we want at any time. For sure for me it means less it just means I did the bare minimum Mm. rather than giving you a $10 gift of shock and awe and being Mm. like oh my gosh this is so cool cute whatever it is
1: totally it's that feeling that comes with it Mm -hmm. for sure I think when it comes to my my way of showing love it's words of affirmation so very opposite I think cards to me are are the way that I can show love because I'm very thoughtful and observant and words come easier to me than actual like products and like although I do love gift giving and I also like the fact or I also love when people have that that genuine joy of receiving a gift but I feel like for me the way to show how I love is through those little observations and writing them into the card and showing that I'm actually paying attention.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like for my gift giving, it's actually, I kind of take it back. I don't think that my gift giving is my the way that I show love the most. Mm. I think it's the acts of service. Mm. It's the things that I do. And I think gift giving is a part of that. It's mm-hmm. I go into research mode and start mm-hmm. going, looking at things. So it's mm-hmm. less about... Let we me just go it buy itself. you something and give it to you. Right. It's more about how do I find the perfect thing? Mm-hmm. Then there are the other things like, let me do this for you. If you're feeling sick, let me make this for you. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling down, let me go buy ice cream. So even though it is a gift that's being given, mm-hmm. it's the thought that counts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly where my my words of affirmation come from. Like the thought that counts. Like mm-hmm. I I definitely have trouble Pro- like producing or giving like a physical item, but like words come easier to me and I try to be more thoughtful in like putting those two things together like specifically for you with gift giving. I'm trying to like figure out that happy medium where my strength as well as your your love language can both coincide.
0: Mhm. Yeah, you do a good job. Thanks. Um so it's not necessarily the only way to look at your relationship but i do think it gives insight on how one person might feel better or give reasoning to why there might be some dissonance in the way that two people show love to each other Mm. not Mm -hmm. always this isn't the end-all be-all what i can say it's it was enlightening to me when i first saw this Mm -hmm. and it really helped me start to realize how we can kind of grow our relationship more
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and it's not only for romantic relationships but this can also apply to platonic relationships right. familial relationships your relationship with your friends or like the way you relate with others overall
0: right on a different note we are going to talk about our recommendation for the week so Jame, what you got for us
1: So, this week, I wanted to recommend some music for y'all. For me, although I love to work with lo-fi music, who else loves lo-fi, shout out, but what I've noticed is that I've also been listening to a lot of R&B and genre-bending music. So here are my top three that I've been listening to lately. One is Umi, who is an LA-based R&B and neo-soul artist. The second is TT, who is Portland-based and a genre-bending R&B artist. And the last one is Twee, a Bay Area R&B artist. So we're going to include all of their links in our description, but if you like R&B, if you like music where you can just sit and listen and Enjoy, especially Umi. I think y'all would enjoy Umi because if you go to her website, she actually gives you a guide to set you up and get you ready to listen to her newest album and then gives you guidance even into each song. So I hope y'all will check them out or at least give them a listen.
0: So that's Umi, U M I, T T, T H Y, T H Y, then Tui, T H U Y. And that's our recommendation for the week.
1: So this is the third round of Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. To give a recap of what we've read so far from chapters 1 through 12, we've already been introduced to all the main characters, establishing both the Richardsons and the Warrens. And we've seen that focus on the mother-daughter relationships, for example, with Elena, Izzy, with Pearl and Mia, and then BB and Mei Ling, slash Mirabelle, and the McCullough's. So that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then we also had many instances of microaggressions and racism that have been sprinkled in and even more apparent than I thought when, my, when I first read through it. We've also seen at least in the past couple chapters a lot of babies and baby making from adoption to conception to abortion so this week we read chapters 13 through 16 and oh my gosh there's just so much that has both already happened and are happening
0: yeah so i think the first things that I want to talk about Mm -hmm. are chapter 13 and running into about halfway if Mm -hmm. not all the way to chapter 14 from what I remember Yes, which is what I title Mia's story.
1: Yes exactly. So
0: so this is where we get that full picture of Mm -hmm. who Mia is Right. I think until now we haven't even really discovered who Mia is as a background character. She seems to pop in and out of scenes very often Mm -hmm. She's the person that's at the house cleaning. She's pearl's mom Mm. in the house when the kids come over like she Mm -hmm. seems very much a character that's in the shadows Mm. rather than someone that's up front yes but we know her story's pretty big
1: yes exactly
0: and so this almost seems like an introduction midway through the whole book
1: Mm. and it's
0: a big one i mean it really goes through her entire timeline and definitely for a reason
1: totally it rips back the curtain all the way from the very beginning like steven said starting from when she was growing up with her parents and with her brother warren and i didn't realize when i first read through the book how much was dedicated to mia's story right the whole paragraph and a half and even chapter 13 like it is such a dense chapter yep but what i think is interesting is that celeste Ng has such a a way of making the story still move forward, even though we are going back in time.
0: Yeah, and with Mia's story, I felt like I was trying to actually look for things to talk about, mm. but only because I f- only because Celeste seems to do such a good job mm-hmm. of telling the story so completely through. Yes. There are very little questions that I had, it seems like any questions that I might have, she answers like, through different yes, methods. Exactly. So it seems like Mia's story is just put out there, like on a platter. Mm-hmm. It's just open right in front of us. Right. And it's so clear.
1: Right, and it's it's interesting to see the progression of Mia's story, starting with photography and how it was because. She, she and her brother, Warren, were starting to grow apart, starting to find their own interests. And photography was a thing that that caught her eye. And then going into art school and finding Pauline Hawthorne and Pauline encouraging that, that love, but not only the love, but noticing how talented Mia is and was since back then.
0: Yeah. So let's break down that story a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we start off with her growing up, it seems like any other normal childhood. Mm-hmm. Her parents are described as people that grew up in an era where they've been bare minimalists. Mm-hmm. Like they really needed to scrounge for things. They didn't have a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing that was said in this story was that the kids never wanted. Like right. the kids were very cared for. Yes. So as they're growing up, we see. Mia and Warren kind of growing closer and closer together and like you said Mm -hmm. they started splitting off because Warren started doing more sports Yes, and so this is when Mia started picking up photography Mm. so she starts taking more and more photos and what ends up happening is that one of her neighbors catches her Mm -hmm. so Mr. Wilkinson Yes. then after a year of watching Mia go around and play with a camera like for me I was just trying to think of the time of Years year is a really long time to see a kid constantly just go after a task. Right. Because kids usually fall out of things so quickly. Mm-hmm. So for Mr. Wilkinson, I can see why he was so curious about what Mia was doing. Right. So he brings her in. And then this is where I think her art and her photography blossoms. Right. One of the things I wrote in my notes is that he's one of the good ones.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: is someone that doesn't see her as... A girl that needs help Mm -hmm. in the terms of looks down upon her right but he sees her as someone who's talented Mm -hmm. and wants Mm -hmm. to provide resources for her
1: exactly and not not because oh i think she can benefit and i will be beneficial to her but just seeing that he can guide her in the way that she is hoping to blossom into because she also brings those he first asks her for her photos right. and when he when she when Mia brings them to Mr. Wilkinson he sees where she was going with an idea mm-hmm. and knows how to help her with that idea and so the guidance and more of a apprentice and an expert kind of relationship rather than a benefactor and a beneficiary kind of right relationship.
0: And I think in this whole book what we see with Elena and the way that she looks down on Mia and Pearl, the way that we see the McCulloughs look down on BB, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that was told was what was not heard, which right. is Mr. Wilkinson not looking at Mia and saying, "You need my help. You right. need this." What he says is, "Hey, look at this photo. The squirrel's blurry. Mm-hmm. Were you trying to take a photo of that squirrel? Mm-hmm. Let me try to help you out." Yes. And then it's not That he says you need my help, but let me try to help you develop Mm -hmm. if and it almost seems like a question of if you want it. Like not you need to have this to get better, but I have resources. Here's my camera. No, I'm not gonna give it to you. This is something I'm lending lending. to you because I believe in you.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. And I think another (laughs) part of this quest for Mia, not only is she getting help from Mr. Wilkinson, she also realizes the limits of her art in terms of her family on page 194 Mm -hmm. it says that Mia realizes she was crossing into a place she would have to go alone Mm -hmm. and I think that set us up to to anticipate what was ahead for her at least in this time period of Mia's life
0: right this is the Crack that starts the separation a bit from mm. the people that she knows.
1: Yeah, she knows and loves. Um, I also think in this era of her life, the fact that Mia already notices that to her parents, work with something where you can fix or make something useful, and if it didn't have a use, they couldn't make out why you do it. So, also delineating why she knows her parents aren't going to understand. Mm-hmm. But also, I felt like that resonated with me because for me, I am more of a creative. I am more of an artist. And you know that about me, Stephen. Um, so I totally understood where she was going, where, especially in the U.S. society, if it's not a doctor or a lawyer or something that helps a particular industry, then it's not something that's worth pursuing or at least in the general population's eyes
0: and that's where celeste used the word practical Mm -hmm. which i i think the way that celeste built that word up and Mm -hmm. showed the very brief background of her parents and what they might have had to go through Mm -hmm. so that they needed to be practical yeah shows that neither side is wrong it's just different
1: yes there are two different ways or multiple different ways but those were the two different ways that were presented to us in this book
0: right So speaking of her parents, Mm -hmm. Mia then kind of continues to dive into her photography, Mm -hmm. which then sends her to school, which her parents thought that she'd choose the quote unquote practical decision of going to a close by college.
1: Right. But
0: then goes to New York to go into art school. Right. Art school. Um, From here, one of the things that I really found interesting was that Mia took away so many traits from her parents Mm -hmm. to then use that to build who she is as an artist and as a person.
1: Yes, absolutely. Like, although she was in art school, her jobs was where she was able to use those practicalities that she picked up from her parents. Like, with the...
0: Like with the businessmen, she would look at the way that her mom used to treat patients and make sure that each one felt individually recognized. And that's what she did with them, chatting them up about their lives, remembering their orders and preferences, Mm -hmm. which helped her get extra tips. She also anticipated the needs of these businessmen, which got her more tips from her Dad, she Mm -hmm. learned the ability to wield tools, which then helped her use that as media for her art. Yes, exactly. From her mom, she used cloth as media for her art. Mm -hmm. So really goes directly into what helped her grow as an artist and as a human.
1: Right, definitely. It it gave her a way to um, not only find agency for herself, but to build up other people around her. Right. Then, during art school, she does meet a particular professor, Pauline Hawthorne, who is already well-known and established then, which is why when Mia first enters her classroom, nobody questions the way that she starts class, which is to not address anybody, to just go straight to the projector and start just pressing slides and going through them one by one no words and i can't ever think of a professor who's ever done that in my class so to think that these college age entrance level students are going to sit and just look at slides for a full hour and a half like just blew my mind and
0: wait yes did i tell you about my neuro neuropsychology professor in undergrad no no Okay, so my neuropsychology, pro- sorry, off topic. Go ahead. <laughs> so my neuropsychology professor in undergrad mm-hmm. was this world-renowned researcher and mm-hmm. professor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't want to say his name just because I don't want to put it out there like that. Yeah. But he created this theory that's so well-known that it's been featured in multiple movies, multiple, mm. uh, you know, um, it's been featured in multiple movies, has been used worldwide worldwide as a treatment method for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So, I enter his class, it's a once a week, three hour class, Mm -hmm. super excited to learn from this guy. Yes. The first day we're there, the TA stand at the front, everyone's sitting in class, they turn on a video of this professor Mm -hmm. speaking and doing news segments, and I swear it had to at least be an hour and a half or two hours into the actual class, Uh that then this professor walks down from the back of the lecture hall all the way down to the front wearing the exact same clothes that he was wearing in the interview what? that was currently going at the time so um, side note not all showing projectors are good I think Pauline is a great professor
1: totally.
0: not always great to show projectors and movies Anyway, sorry far side note but Mia then meets Pauline Hawthorne
1: yes and Pauline notices Mia's talent from the very first photo that they bring into class to. Sh- uh, Pauline asked the class to bring in the photo that they're most proud of. And from those first photos, she already notices Mia's talent. And I think that she notices Mia's talent because she pauses and asks, Who is Mia Wright? Right. And then giving her specific questions of, like, Why did you choose this angle? Why this line? Right. And Mia acknowledges that she didn't really have any other answers besides it looked right it looked right it looked right or it felt right
0: which is exactly how she addressed a lot of Mr. Wilkinson's questions Mm -hmm. initially yeah so I think that was the carryover of that was her first teacher and this is her next big learning experience yeah mentor
1: absolutely and in and it becomes such an important relationship that Pauline asks Mia to come over and to to, like, learn more about her work and and figure out how she can better help her knowing that she is a gifted student.
0: Right. And this is where the relationship then blossoms between right. Pauline and Mia. But to be honest, I thought there would be a lot more in this. Mm. With how important it seemed that picture was when we when the kids first went to the museum, I thought Pauline and Mia would have... This massive connection. Mm. I mean, they might have formed something really big, but it seemed kind of brushed over a little bit.
1: Mm. I think that the fact that Mia acknowledges that she had so much pride, that that Pauline and her partner Mal were both willing to even let her stay over, mm-hmm. to ask her for ask her over to dinner, to be willing to give her a loan later on. Um, So, I think that there was so much love from Pauline that that carried towards Mia. But Mia was so proud and wanted to get through life on her own, which is where we meet this snag.
0: Right. And what's the snag?
1: The snag is that although she entered the art school with a scholarship... A year later, the scholarship said that they will no longer be funding her, which I think is wild. Like, what were the terms and how can they pull away from those terms so quickly? Well,
0: it sounded like the scholarship being pulled back was because of a larger funding issue. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it was the school just keeping that money for themselves. It sounded like they got cut that amount of Mm -hmm. budget.
1: Mm Mm-hmm mia was now in a place where she can no longer afford to go to art school but she still wanted to that's when the ryan's come along right in which mr ryan stalks mia from the subway all the way around 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 new york i think that's kind of (laughs) creepy
0: that's so that's what i wrote i wrote well, okay, I wrote, is it creepy that he did that? Mm-hmm. Then, when Mia goes to meet Mrs. Ryan...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Remember what Celeste wrote is that she looked like she was looking at her own reflection? Yes,
1: exactly.
0: I don't know what Mia was thinking at the time. Right. But my first thought when that happened was, is that not really creepy that they sought out this girl that looks exactly like his wife? Right. Is that with the hopes of the baby looking exactly like the wife as well? I don't know. I thought that was super creepy, too.
1: Yeah, I think that was the point of Joseph Ryan tracking Mia and seeing that she looks so much like Madeline, his wife, hoping that the baby that would that would be produced would look just like them, essentially. Mm hmm. Um, but yes, it's a fully creepy situation and although I'm not speaking from experience nor am I speaking from a place of knowledge, but what I have heard about surrogacy from people who've either known others who have experienced surrogacy or just from my own like quick google search. Surrogate mothers are usually chosen because they've already born children before. And that's so they know that they can carry the child to term. Mm -hmm. But Mia hasn't had any children. She's very young also. And the fact that she's in college proves even more, more risk Because Mia doesn't seem like she's a party girl, at least in what we've read. But that's all aside. The fact that she's a young college person who's never born children seems like whatever agreement they made with her is kind of null and void.
0: Right. I also... Okay, so not only is she someone who hasn't born children, Mm
1: -hmm. later
0: we find out that she might be a virgin. Right. So not only has she not birth children. She's never had intercourse. She's never... I think the words were like, felt the touch of a man or something. Yes,
1: exactly. So
0: that's even weirder, I think.
1: Yeah, so it's like I understand that the Ryans had this real deep need for a child. I am not yucking anyone's yum, but there could have been different ways they could have gone about this situation. And... I acknowledge that during this time, maybe not a lot of people were considering giving to this family because of whatever biases.
0: But not only that, but there weren't... Surrogacy was not... I think, as well established as it is now. Right. There were no test tube babies or things like that at the time. I mean, they
1: said that it started off as test tube babies, but they did not want to go that route. Because it was too dangerous. Not because it was too dangerous. It sounded like they were, it was more like a, ooh, I don't want to go that route. Not Mm -hmm. like a, I'm afraid. Because
0: I thought they had written that the first one had happened, and I thought it was after the date of when it was now. No. Okay. No. Um so to then go into the story cuz to speed through it a little bit mm-hmm. Mia then re- meets Mia then meets the wife
1: mm-hmm. Madeline
0: Madeline and they go through the whole process she thinks back and forth eventually she decides that this is what they want to do mm-hmm. pull out the turkey baster put it mm-hmm. on a plate warm it up throw it in squeeze it 20 minutes lets uh, up uh,
1: 30. 30, 30 30 minutes <laughs>
0: <laughs> but eventually this happens right she, she goes conceives. through she conceives and no is conceive giving birth
1: no to so conceive is to create
0: oh she conceives but this is where i think the story gets a little bit interesting because for me this marks the timeline where the true separation between her mia and her parents and mia and even warren starts mm-hmm. and which then leads to a much bigger thing
1: right um What's interesting also is that at the beginning, she was only agreeing to helping the Ryans because she needed the money. They were well off. They were going to give her money. She would be able to continue art school after her hiatus was her thought process.
0: Which is also really messed up because if she had come from a place where money wasn't an issue, Mm -hmm. she wouldn't have to do any of this. This wasn't a thought that would need to ever come along. Right then comes the question of would she ever be separated from her parents would she have had the separation from Warren in the way that it happened mm-hmm. so all in all this lady is working three jobs right. she's just trying to make it by she right. just wants to go to art school so that she can learn mm-hmm. and still that's not enough because mm-hmm. society has not given her the tools that it takes, so then she has to use her own body to right. find a way to create those earnings. Exactly. I'm super messed up.
1: Exactly. And like even before she decides to agree to the Ryan, she did say her womb was not an apartment for rent. She could barely imagine having a baby, let alone giving one away. So I think that was a way to signal what would happen later,
0: right.
1: which is... Unfortunately, while she was out of school, while she was still gestating this child in her womb, unfortunately, even though they weren't on good terms, Warren had passed.
0: Right. And And just before Warren had passed, Mia had told Warren that she was pregnant with this baby. Yes. And because of the way that that conversation had gone, Mm -hmm. Mia and Warren had stopped talking to each other.
1: Exactly. Not
0: because they disliked each other, but because of the fact that Mia felt like the conversation was too uncomfortable to keep talking about. Right. And she saw a future where then she could just talk to Warren after she had the baby, Mm -hmm. gave it away, and then she keep the baby. Yeah. But...
1: Keep the baby or...
0: Or sorry, to give away the baby
1: and then just live life afterwards yeah like nothing had happened exactly
0: but i do think this part about warren's passing ends up being a big catalyst for why she wants to keep eventually pearl
1: yes exactly um when when warren passes her parents call her lets her know she immediately without thinking goes back home Which then causes even more of a rift because now her parents have a visual of what's happening because Mia is fully pregnant by this time. And because Mia is fully pregnant, her parents kind of leave her out of things now.
0: Because they're trying to hide her.
1: Right, they're trying to hide her. They say that they don't want people to get the wrong idea. They make decisions without her, even in closed quarters. And... As it says in the book, the last straw for Mia was when they said that she couldn't even attend her brother's own funeral. Right.
0: And I think that was such a big hit for her. Yeah. Because when we started chapter thirteen was when Mia's mom was pregnant with Warren
1: mm-hmm. and
0: Mia specifically uses the terms of that's my baby. Yes. And the fact that she had then lost her quote unquote baby mm-hmm. Had to have hit her hard.
1: Right. And
0: that I think leads Mia to have to reconsider this whole decision of giving away this baby.
1: Exactly. And I think also the fact that one of the last words she hears from Warren is, I'm that baby's uncle. It wouldn't be that easy for me to give the baby away. Right. Right. Might have just like hammered it home and was like, no, this baby's in my body. My body is not for rent. This is my baby now.
0: Right. So, then leads us to what happens afterwards. She runs away from her parents' house. Mm -hmm. That is technically the last time her parents have seen her. Right. And she goes, does she go back to school first, or does she then run to California?
1: She does go back to school first, but immediately, well, okay, she doesn't go back to school. She goes back to the apartment that the Ryans gave her. Right. That's And then she immediately packs her things, leaves behind everything the Ryans have given her, writes a note, lying, saying that she lost the baby, and then leaving behind $900 and saying that, I feel like I owe you, this is all I can give, and then leaving, leaving behind everything, just taking what's hers and taking the car that Warren used to use, which is the Volkswagen Rabbit. Right and goes travels cross-country until she can travel no more when she gives birth to Pearl. And I would just like to point out how when she was thinking of a name for her child, mm-hmm. the fact that she comes up with the scarlet letter, mm-hmm. knowing that the name Pearl was such a wholesome name, but mm-hmm. coming into troubling and complex circumstances, I think was such an interesting choice.
0: Well, it was such a great note to put in by Celeste. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. To
0: parallel the stories mm. of the, the... I can't remember her name, but the lead from The Scarlet Letter yes. to Mia's.
1: Yes, absolutely. So she gives birth to Pearl.
0: With her last name being...
1: Warren. Because of her brother.
0: Which is such a sweet moment.
1: Yes. And then also leaving out who the father is. Right. Making that that conscious decision to only write her own name, Mia Warren, instead of Wright. And, yeah, not even mentioning the Ryans at all because this is her baby.
0: Right, because this is her immaculate conception. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really have...
1: Any relation, essentially.
0: Yeah, with her stalker.
1: Yeah, (laughs) with her temporary stalker (laughs) uh so she gives birth to pearl she does have trouble at the beginning raising pearl as a baby she does have this like i guess grumpy uh roommate mrs delaney Mm -hmm. who one night does help her takes pearl and like allows mia to sleep for that one night Mm -hmm. and then later doesn't ever do that but still gives her quote unquote leftovers
0: but that's because she was the landlord right like there was a she gives the leftovers as a way of saying hey give me my monies
1: right but then i think mia also mentions how she understands that when mrs delaney says leftovers that she's actually making this for her
0: Mm, true That
1: it is a gift, but she is reminding her that it's not for free gift.
0: Yes, give me my money. Yes. And so then we get the call from From Mal. Mal.
1: Mal saying that if you want to see Pauline, you need to get here right away. Right. And so Mia gets a ticket, flies back to New York, spends time with Pauline and Mal for as long as she could, and it does say that this is the first and last time that she is ever a guest in their guest room. Mm-hmm. And one morning, when Mia was nursing Pearl, Pauline shuffles into the room, tells her, No, it's okay. I want to take pictures of both of you. Mm-hmm. And then, when, after Mia says goodbye to Pauline, gets back to San Francisco, Mal tells her that pauline has passed Mm -hmm. and later she gets a package of photos of her and pearl when mia was nursing pearl and the note in the back is from pauline saying if you ever need money sell these contact anita and send her your work when you're ready Mm -hmm. she's expecting you so
0: seven photos Mm -hmm. and as we go through the story she ends up selling the first one
1: mm-hmm.
0: when she is trying to pursue her dreams, mm-hmm. but just needs a little bit more time, a little yeah, bit more money. Exactly. And that one gets her, like, how gangster is it that you take seven photos and that's selling for millions of dollars? Right. Anyways, she sells that <laughs> one enough that she doesn't feel like she needs to sell another one
1: yeah. until
0: Pearl gets pneumonia. Which is just like kind of a side note of like, oh, yeah, she sells the second photo because Pearl has pneumonia.
1: But then that reminds us in the beginning about how Mia promises Pearl after that sickness that they're going to find a forever spot instead of moving around, which is what brought them to Shaker Heights.
0: Right. Also to relate, these are the photos that are then or... one of these that was then put into the the museum museum. Mm -hmm. that is so sought after by izzy and elena
1: yes exactly exactly yes so that's kind of where mia's backstory kind of ends and it it wraps us back up to the present where elena richardson is talking or still talking with The rights, Mia's parents. And I think it's interesting that the one point that Elena feels guilt is Mm -hmm. when the rights offer photos of Warren. And I'm like, really? That's when you feel guilty? This whole escapade of digging into Mia's past and lying Mm -hmm. to the rights, none of that made you feel bad.
0: But she did feel guilt. I mean, in the first time, in that first view of the meeting that we saw, Mm -hmm. I was pretty upset that she had no guilt over any of this. Right. So the the fact that she even feels any guilt is a good, it's a decent sign.
1: Mm, I feel like it's too little too late.
0: Um, But then this is also where she gets the business card for the lawyer for the Ryans, Mm -hmm. which is then what she's going to dig into to find out about the contract that was drawn up.
1: Right, exactly. And we don't know much more after that yet. In Shaker Heights, though, what's happening was Lexi was getting... An abortion. hmm And we are now seeing the after effects where Pearl is bringing Lexi to the Winslow house. And Mia swoops in and takes care of Lexi and is, like, very motherly and caring and nurturing. Because she
0: knows. Yes. She knew from her pale appearance, which, how white was this lady? She was probably already (laughs) pale. Um, She knew by the way that she entered the house with the pads. She knew the entire time.
1: She did, and that just goes to show how observant Mia is, not only as the Richardson's housekeeper, but just as a person overall.
0: Mm -hmm. Then while Lexi is being taken care of, and Mia is helping her out, Mia then... Is able to spend some time with Pearl mm-hmm. because Pearl can no longer sleep in her own bed. Yes. So no,
1: Mia can't sleep on her bed because Lexi is sleeping in Mia's bed. Yes.
0: So they are now being able to spend some time together. Mm-hmm. This is where Mia starts to think about okay, if this happened to Lexi, is this happening to, to you? Mia,
1: yes. But is
0: it happening to you with Moody? Moody
1: and pearl is using lies by omission telling Mm -hmm. mia that everything with moody is just friendship Mm -hmm. and what's interesting is that when mia tries to interject saying i know how it goes she also mia realizes for herself like she's never felt this way before Mm -hmm. she's never had romance that way she's all from childhood until college and even after that she's never felt that spark outside right. of photography right which i think is where i realized or i it solidified for me when i first read it that mia must be either asexual or aromantic or both
0: i don't think so i think she probably wants to find that kind of romance i don't think she's at the time Like, where is she going to ever find that ability to go out on a date when she has Pearl? She doesn't have any money initially. She's just trying to find a place to live. She has Pearl. She's trying to take care of Pearl. I don't think she has the opportunity to then find someone that she can grow a relationship with.
1: Mm, But romance, romantic feelings don't ever need specific time. Like, you can feel romantic feelings for another person even though you can't...
0: But who is she sharing that romantic feeling with? Because she, when we talked about how she met Bibi, that was the only person that she really had somewhat connected to because she always felt like she was a transient. I think that's the sad story of Mia is her entire life she's working to give Pearl this life hmm. at the same time she's struggling just to get all that done. So I don't think she has the time to even care for herself. She might be asexual. She might be. She might not care about that stuff. truly I don't even know if she's had the time to discover that because I don't think she's had the ability to have those experiences
1: but I think so I hear what you're saying that she's working really hard but that only started when she was in college she already said that as a child where she had everything she needed she still didn't feel those feelings and I feel like that's where it starts especially when you're 13 14 12 those hormones and having those feelings just come whether or not you're studying really hard or not. So, the fact that she already says that at that time she didn't have those feelings, and now when she has Pearl and Pearl's grown up and still doesn't have those feelings, and she's had the money and time and space mm-hmm. and still doesn't have those feelings, I think that to me shows her asexuality or aromantic or mm. aromanticism.
0: And this is where I think the literature leaves it up to interpretation. I don't think one's more right than the other, but it's just however you interpret Mia's life is how you interpret it. But with this, we do know that one of Mia's love languages is touch. Mm-hmm. It talks about how Mia and Pearl used to always be in touch in the carrier when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. And this was the scene that I think they it talked about how they had disconnected physically,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which... For Mia, my assumption is that that also meant that they are disconnecting emotionally.
1: Hmm. Maybe like having a different connection, maybe not complete disconnection, because like we said in the last episode, how Pearl realized that the way that she brought up the subject of the photo Mm -hmm. was not the way that she should have. Mm -hmm. So I think there is still a connection, but there is a little more like... Disconnection in certain aspects, but not completely.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't think they're... Because they're still talking to each other. Right. Pearl still cares about what Mia thinks when she brings up Moody, which right. is why she doesn't want to lie, but she sees this window of lying by omission. So it's not like she wants to hurt her mom. Right. But I do think Pearl is growing up. Yes. And this is where the relationship of mother and daughter is... Changing, it's right, and growing I, into something different,
1: right, and I think Mia knows that, but she's still like trying to find those moments of connection, still,
0: right. I also think it's really interesting that within these last few chapters, we have now seen. Lexi and Izzy both grow through different struggles. Mm -hmm. And at both times, Mia has come in and cared Mm -hmm. for them as her own children. Exactly. She gave Izzy the sandwich, which was meant to comfort her. Mm -hmm. She spent all this time with Lexi, wrapping her up, caring for her after this abortion.
1: Yes, and calling the school to prevent the robocall from contacting the Richardsons.
0: Right. And this then brings up the question that was asked at another point in this book Mm -hmm. of what makes or defines a mother Mm -hmm. because elena is obviously providing for the children right or mr richardson but as a duo they're providing Providing for for the the children children, but mia is now providing for the emotional and physical care of the children so does that mean that she's the mother like i think when we then go into the story of Bibi and the McCullough's Mm -hmm. and what is a mother because this is what's going to be talked about in trial exactly this is an interesting parallel that Mm -hmm. celeste does Mm -hmm. of trying to then define motherhood
1: yes exactly so it's not to say that mia is the mother but it's also become a question of well, at least not not for us, but for Elena, who keeps putting herself on a pedestal saying that I'm the better mother. Mm-hmm. The question now is, is she truly a better mother okay. than Mia?
0: And the thing is, she doesn't even realize it. Like, right. She has no idea what these kids are going through. Exactly. She's off interrogating and exploring while mm-hmm. Mia is here t- taking care of her children.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So then we go into Bibi's story.
1: Right, the hearing, or at least the week of hearing, between Bibi Chow and the McCulloughs, mm-hmm. who are Linda and Mark, trying to figure out who should gain custody of Mailing or otherwise known as Mirabelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how, like, people's idea has been changing, like, specifically Lexi, since mm-hmm. going through the abortion, her ideas have changed. Mm-hmm. But also, What's interesting is that Celeste Ng includes just the last hearing, where Mr. Richardson is glad that no one else can see because it's family court, because Miss McCullough is brought up as a, a witness, mm-hmm. and some of the things that she says were alarm bells, alarm bells in my mind.
0: So, to... Go on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. The person interrogating her, Mm -hmm. Ed Lim. Yes. Mm, Applause. Yeah. I am Ed Lim Stan. Mm. This dude went into this interrogation so hard.
1: Yes. So ready. Yes.
0: Whenever Mr. Richardson saw Ed Lim smile,
1: he knew things were going to happen. So
0: to highlight some of the things that happened in court Mm -hmm. and some of the stupid things that uh, mrs. miss McCulloch said yes was Edlim asked what have you done to connect mailing to mm-hmm. her culture do you remember what Miss McCulloch said
1: I wrote three different things down mm-hmm. she said that they go to this Chinese restaurant so that mail no she says Mirabelle can grow up feeling this is natural and I was like girl no
0: the quote is the pearl of the Orient is our favorite restaurant.
1: Oh, dear Jesus. Number two. She talks about having this teddy bear heirloom and choosing among a brown bear, a white bear, and a panda and thinking that Mirabelle is going to feel more connected to the panda.
0: Mm -hmm. And then the number three.
1: She's, she was so confident in saying that they do have Chinese literature, but this book is The Five Chinese Brothers, mm-hmm. which depicts them as wearing pigtails and slanted eyes, and they all look the same.
0: Yes, so Miss Culloch, the direct quote that she says when Ed Lim is interrogating her says, they all look alike. I mean, a lot like each other. They're brothers. They're part of the story. No one can tell them apart.
1: Mm. Really? No.
0: Then Ed goes into the details of the pigtails, the slanted eyes, and the coolie hats. Mm -hmm. And she still, I don't think she really gets how racist that is. How problematic it is. Yeah. So I think an interesting thing that Celeste decided to include here Mm -hmm. was a very quick glimpse into Ed's backstory. Right. Because Ed also has a daughter. Right. And he, she talks about how he struggles to provide culture in the way that white kids tend to get culture. Right. One of the things are dolls. Yeah. So when Miss McCulloch is talking about her dolls, she says, most toys are blonde and blue eyes. Quote, unquote, that's just a default.
1: Oh, yuck. Quote,
0: unquote, it's not anything racist. They just want to make a generic little girl. You know, one that will appeal to everyone.
1: No! Yuck.
0: The way that Ed breaks this down to get her to say all these things, and for her to not even realize that it's problematic. Love, Ed Lim. So one of the hard parts to hear, Mm -hmm. I think, was Bibi's struggle to care for her baby.
1: Right.
0: Which goes into the point that the McCullochs are trying to make that she's not a fit mother.
1: Or was an unfit mother. But because of those experiences, they're claiming that she is not a fit mother now.
0: Which, for me, would all be solved if she had resources. So if this was not taking place in Ohio, Mm -hmm. if BB and her husband had initially moved to somewhere like L.A., San Francisco atlanta new york somewhere mm. that had areas and communities of chinese people
1: where they could find the resources and access them
0: yeah and understand where to go to get welfare and other th-
1: food stamps and other social social work exactly
0: because everything that she could not provide which was like breastfeeding because she and her last bit of money she uses for formula Right. having to reuse diapers like these were what they deemed made her a bad mother right. this only showed that she didn't have money it didn't yeah. make her a bad mother she used every Everything. last bit of what she had yes. to give to her daughter and right. how does that not make a fit mother
1: exactly and the only reason why she left Mei Ling at the fire station is because she knew that she wasn't in a mentally stable place and wanted to bring her to a place where she can be cared for.
0: Right. It was to protect and possibly even save the life of her daughter.
1: Yes, because if she continued to keep mailing, who knows how long it would have taken before she would have found resources.
0: Yes. Um, I think that's the most of what's been written in these chapters so far. Right. There is one point I wanted to make which is, it goes on a slightly separate topic, but mm. Lexi is now starting to sympathize for Baby. Yes. Which is what you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. While they're having this discussion, mm-hmm. one thing that Miss Richardson says to Lexi and Izzy, specifically noted as Lexi and Izzy, in a room full of all her kids, right. is, quote unquote, and that's why pregnancy is not something to be taken lightly. The issue I had with this is that you are not saying anything to the other half of the issue.
1: Right.
0: You didn't tell your boys, one who is extremely sexually active, mm-hmm. that this is also an issue that he needs to take. You take the responsibility off of the male, and we need to train your sons. Right. Like, this is such a big issue of what's happening right now. Train your darn sons to take responsibility for what they're doing. Teach them that they are just as much a part of the issue. If having children at that time is an issue, mm-hmm. they are a part of the issue. It is also their job to mm-hmm. take that responsibility and that role. Exactly. It is not all up to the women. Right. And as Miss Richardson being someone who comes from this quote-unquote ideal community, right. I can see why she thinks this, because this mm-hmm. is what she is born and raised to think mm-hmm. with patriarchal societies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But she needs to teach her sons that this is not okay
1: right exactly and yeah when I read that part it was very disheartening that she calls out her two daughters and not including her sons or not like fully addressing the entire issue like you said it is not supposed to be only the women that takes this responsibility yes So not only does Elena say those things to her children, but once the children were going off to bed Mm -hmm. and it was just her and Mr. Richardson Mm -hmm. clearing the table and and cleaning up the kitchen, we can see that Mr. Richardson is rethinking the way he's viewing the Bibi and McCullough Mm -hmm. situation. He asks Mrs. Richardson, do you think that Mark and Linda really know how to raise a Chinese child? And Elena in her...
0: Elena-ness.
1: Elena-ness. says, quote, She'll be raised in a home that truly doesn't see race. Yes. Ugh. Sometimes I think that we'd all be better if it were that way. Maybe at birth, everyone should be given to a family of another oh race to be raised. Yes. Maybe that would solve racism once and for all. Yes. Ugh. Yuck. No, no, so much wrong. That is, oh, I don't even know where to start. I
0: know, such big things to happen in so little words.
1: Yes, like, no, it is society and the way that it's been built, it's the systems within that society. It's not just a lottery where we can throw children however and whichever way. Like, I don't think she realizes that she's also putting herself into that mix. Like, would she willingly give her children to somebody else? No, I
0: mean she kind of is at this point. Mia's raising her kids,
1: but she doesn't know that. I know. She still thinks that she that she has the this power. power over her children, and it doesn't mean that she doesn't have any stake in her children's mm-hmm. lives. But she doesn't have the same stake that she thinks she does. Right.
0: I'm not gonna lie, Celeste, you got me with the racism. Ooh. Ooh, it hit Ooh. hard. It's been my favorite parts of the book. Uh, I've been eating it up. You I appreciate it. Uh, But that kind of leads us in this penultimate section Mm -hmm. and we are now approaching the end of the book. Yes. Which is only three chapters. Yes. Chapters 17 through 20, Mm -hmm. pages 270 to 336. Yes. Even though it's only three chapters, Mm -hmm. I feel like these are going to be some long chapters.
1: They're going to be long. So again, knowing what I know, it's going to be fiery. What else do you predict?
0: I mean, clearly the story of the abortion is going to pop up because we know that Lexi put Pearl's name Mm -hmm. on that sheet. Mm -hmm. I think that comes back. There's no way that that doesn't. I think showing that Mia is now starting to play a motherly role in the lives of Miss Richardson's children, Mm -hmm. Elena's children, Mm -hmm. I think that's going to come up and there's going to be a clash between lionesses. Mm Mm-hmm uh The Bibi and the McCulloch story has to end somehow.
1: How do you think it'll end?
0: I think, I hope Bibi gets the kid, but mm. I don't know. This is Ohio. I mean, if I were to be honest, I, don't, I, can't, I never remember the colors, but Republican Ohio, uh, racism, um, white people. Mm-hmm. I think it ends in the way that McCulloch's get the baby, but mm. I hope Bibi gets the Bibi.
1: Bibi, her name's Bibi.
0: Bibi, just the Bibi. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we won't know till we find out. So
1: yes, oh my god, we got
0: three chapters to go. Yes, but if anyone wants to chime in on what they've read, what their opinions are, if mm-hmm. they want to share anything, mm-hmm. how can they do so?
1: You can email us at Asian Book Club Pod at gmail.com, or find us on Instagram at Asian Book Club Pod.
0: And we also have a bookshop. Uh, where you can look at our other suggestions and mm-hmm. books that we're reading yeah that's going to be at bookshop.org slash shop slash asian book club pod mm-hmm. all right and for now we close the book on these chapters bye, bye.